You're listening to Hats, Tats, and Stats Podcast, a championship-caliber pro sports podcast based in Buffalo, New York, with your hosts, EZD, Derek Jaws, T-Wave, Taylor Sekaturski, Big Diesel, Nick Yelich, Bold Claim, Ben Yelich, and Austin Kelm, the Stat Man. Hats, Tats, and Stats is part of the BICBP Radio Network. Check us out online at www.bicbp-radio.com. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Hats, Tats, and Stats. With you, as always, well, well, with usually, usually, is the stat man, Austin. And with me this week, Big Rick. How we doing, buddy? Doing good. Doing good. You know, always love coming on here. A little Hats, Tats, and Stats. I, uh, you know, love talking sports. Uh, just had a little thing I wanted to talk about. I was perusing uh, TikTok oh. as I do. Diving you know. right into it. You know what? I always get a co-host that's like six five with a beard, so it really doesn't matter. Yeah, you know, kind of, it's very right. Uh, Jaws and I were roommates in college. People <laughs> thought we were brothers. It's fine. We kind of look alike. You know, we'll fill. I, I fill the void that's left by Jaws, so we're good. <laughs> But no, so, you know, as I'm doing, you know, the millennial post-COVID on TikTok, because that's what we did, uh, saw a little recap video of a Mike Tyson fight from 1986. Oh, we're starting Cow- with boxing. Raise your hand if you saw that one coming. I did not see us going that way. No, definitely. Uh, yeah, definitely not something that I watch anymore. But uh, and, and this fight in 86 is a year before I was even born. So I definitely didn't watch it when it was when it was live. But just watching you know, how quick Mike Tyson was as a boxer um, in his heyday. And and I even remember as a kid, you know, my dad having right. the brown, the brown cable box, getting the, the free pay-per-view, <laughs> you know. Back when stealing cable bedtime. was super easy, right? Everybody knew yeah. a guy who could reprogram the card for you. Had a guy with a box and you got everything. <laughs> right. But yeah, definitely watching, you know, just how quick he was and how he just toyed with this guy for like five rounds. I honestly, I forget who he was fighting. But and then he wins by, you know, technical knockout in like the 10th round. But he just just pummeled this guy with, you know, right hand, right hand. He started just going to the body to soften him up. And then he just hits him with an uppercut and just knocked him down, you know. So, yeah, I'm watching that. And then, you know, brings us right into the Angels Mariners that uh, kind of uh, looked like a Mike Tyson fight. uh, You know, listen, there were straight up haymakers thrown in that baseball game, which is not something you say very often. And really, I, I don't like to be necessarily overly critical of umpires because I feel like they're always getting crapped on. It's, it's nonstop. There's a shortage of them across Western New York. Nobody wants to umpire any games. I don't envy any of them. They're constantly getting berated and screamed at. And really, to your point, on TikTok, there's a whole bunch of TikTok feeds and users that, like, their only thing is to, like, pinpoint one ball that was thrown that was outside and it was called a strike or vice versa. And, like, I always love that one guy in the comments. It's like, dude, there were, like, 22,000 pitches thrown in Major League Baseball last night. You highlighted the six that were bad calls, that the other 2,900 of them were fine. But let's highlight the, the six that they got wrong. Um, the only the I, only one who it's justified for is Angel Hernandez. Oh, no, it's 100% Angel like, Hernandez. But he screws like, up, like, every position. doesn't matter if he's a fielding umpire, first base guy, third, it doesn't matter. It's bad all around. I feel like it's more pronounced because he has to call all the balls and strikes. So you, you notice it more. Yeah. I guess he was suing the, uh, in major league baseball because he wasn't getting, he wasn't becoming a crew chief because uh, you know, he, he wasn't getting the scores. And, and I just want to be like, can you, did you watch yourself? Um, like it's at, pretty at bad. What, at what point is your job performance like relevant? Do you think you just get to do it? It's so like, well, everybody else gets to do it. Yeah. Everybody else is gets to be better than you. That's just where we're at. 
the league, I read some statistic that he uh, most major league umpires, like a good chunk of them, if not almost all of them, um, get balls and strikes correct, like above 97%. That, that there's still 3%, and that 3% is what everybody complains about, but that it's, it's correct 97% of the time. Angel Hernandez is 75% of the time, which still is <laughs> in, in, in baseball statistics wise, like 75% would be like having a 750 batting average. Like that would be unheard. That'd be unbelievable. So in baseball, it seems like that will be good, except when you compare him to his peers and he's 20% below that, that means one out of every four pitches he gets wrong. So in a baseball game where 160 pitches are thrown, he gets 40 of them wrong. I like, that's just, I don't know what to do with this information. My thing with umpires is, you know, balls, like you can't argue balls and strikes, right? You were a baseball coach for years. And I, you know, I've been a baseball fan. I played as a kid. Like it's the one thing you can't really argue it. it my thing with an umpire is as long as you're consistent with your, that's strike always zone, the thing, right? I don't really care if you call it high, call it low, but if you're going to call that pitch, that's a, that's technically a ball, a strike, you better call it for everybody and all the time. And there are plenty of guys that do it. And I, you know, I listen to the Mets and they have a pretty good booth because they got Ron Darling, you know, former pitcher Keith Hernandez uh, from the 86 World Series team. So they have like, you know, guys that, uh, you know, have been around the block and they're able to really talk about that. And that's the big thing they harp on is, you know, this guy has a low strike zone. This guy will call the inside pitch and you have to, you know, and pitchers know it and hitters know it too. Like they know what guys do because they're the same guys that they're seeing. You know, it's a hundred well, analytics. They know will tell these them, guys. They know well, exactly. Analytics you know. will tell them exactly where they need to be throwing and what zones they can hit based on what umpire they're going to see that day. And they know for their start what umpire they're going to get short of somebody having the flu or, you know, right. an umpire takes a foul ball to the face or something like that. And he has to switch positions or leave the game. You know, and it's the talk of the robo umps like, you know, yes. Would it make it so that it's it's solid? But the thing is, is it's all you know, subjective, really. I mean, the strike zone is different for every person. So how can, you know, is the computer programming up to snuff to make sure it's perfect for everybody? That's what they're trying to figure out in the Pacific League or whichever league that they're doing it in. Uh, and, and, and really, I, I don't want robo-umps, honestly. I mean, there are, there are a lot of things that I think you could make reviewable in baseball. You know, did an outfielder trap the ball? Did a fan interfere? Did it, do you know what I mean? Like there, there are things that I feel like you, they might be standing 60, 70 yards away where it's tough to see, but like, I think balls and strikes is what makes baseball baseball. That's just, yeah. you have to you adjust to the umpire. That's just what it is. That's the game. You can't review balls and strikes. I mean, you know, and I, Correct. I get that the instant replay in baseball. Like I get it. They want to get it right. It's the same thing with football, but it's just, you know, baseball already has a pace of play issue that they're trying to fix with this pitch clock that they're going to put in next season. It's like just adding another thing, you know, granted my team, it's been successful sometimes that they get it right. So it helps the game. Uh, listen, I, 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 then I just have to be quicker right. about it. I think the sky judge is, is perfect. Yeah. NFL, the NFL is doing it right. I don't know how, I don't know what their process is. I don't know what goes into it, but like just watching a game and going, Hey, I'm pretty sure he got that second foot down. I wonder if, you know, McDermott will throw a flag. Oh, he didn't have to. This guy just went, hey, man, he got both feet in. They got the correct call on the field. You weren't bogged down with a, a red flag and then a review, and then he's got to go into the hood, and then they got to explain to everybody, and it's five minutes. And this guy just went, no, he got two feet in. Yeah. Great. The correct call came down on the field, and it didn't slow the game down at all. 
And like it would just with be hockey, you know, right. with hockey, if a goal goes in that they don't see, they don't call it, the game's going on, they blow the horn, which means that there was a goal. And so, you know, I think we're going to get there. And and I don't know, the pitch clock, they're once again doing it in the, the lower leagues uh, and it's and it's supposedly helping. So we'll see. It's going to make it interesting because there are a lot of pitchers that part of the slowness is is a part of the game right there. They're purposefully taking that extra beat just to try and get the hitter off guard because it really is a game of inches of where they want to put their pitch and trying to get the upper hand. And it's the same thing with batters stepping out. Like, I don't know how it'll ultimately work, but they're saying that it'll shave 40 minutes off a game, which is, you know, for a sport that I personally enjoy watching baseball, but I know plenty of people who can't just sit down and watch a nine inning game because it is just very slow pace. It's not hockey, which is the fastest pace. I think of all the sports really, because those periods go by, you know, like a snap of a finger. I would, I would think probably basketball. Hockey might be a 1B, but I think basketball has a lot of back and forth and a lot of the, you know, Lob City, Alley Oob shooting threes. I think it's a lot of, yeah, it can but, be very fast paced scoring <laughs> within the NBA, very little defense. So there's a lot of just offense going on. It's true. But hockey with the three periods, there's not four quarters, right? It's just you're done. Like it's 20 minutes on the ice. And then you get a 20 minute intermission and you just kind of bang it out. I mean, right. I used to, I would put on the Mets game. Then I'd watch the Ranger game. I get done with the Ranger game and the, <laughs> Mets, finish, the, finish the Mets game. Right. <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, what is going on? And they, the, the Mets started an hour before, like, it's just the pace of play. You know, I know we got off our tangent here of this brawl, but it's, it all comes oh, down it's, to it's, baseball. It's, all, it's all baseball. Baseball is a sport that, that they're trying to, you know, open up to the younger audience whose attention span isn't the same as sitting watching a game for three and a half hours. Right. You know, that, but if you're a statistics person or the history of it, you really enjoy it. And that's kind well, of what the, the baseball purist, the, the guys like, they don't think the game should have changed in 140 years that it's, we should just keep on rolling. Yeah. But yeah. So no, go ahead. No, I was just going to say it's like the base baseball has changed several times over the years. Do you know what I mean? They've, they've moved the pitching distance to create more offense than they, and they moved it again to, to help out the pitcher. So like, so I remember asking a, a coworker of mine, a lot of people know that the baseball mound is 60 feet, six inches from home plate, that that's, that's the distance you pitch at. And I said, I'd like, and he made a comment to me about how everything in baseball is symmetrical, that it's, it's like the math works out very nicely on a baseball diamond. And I said, okay, I said, why 60 feet, six inches? And he goes, well, it's got to be symmetrical somehow. I go, but it's not. I said, it's not even between home and second. It's not like that. That math doesn't compute. It's not like in the center of the infield. It doesn't mathematically work. It's not 121 feet from home to second. That, that's not what the math is to get from home to two. So I'm like, so yeah. why is the way it is? And really what it was, was, when, you know, then we stopped work because, you know, we had to figure this out. And for an hour, we didn't <laughs> do any work. So we had to know what the answer was that sometime a hundred years ago, um, they used to pitch from like 50 feet from flat ground and it used to be like a box and mm. the pitchers used to be able to like almost crow hop when they pitched. They used to be able to like get a running start. And as long as they like landed before the front of the box, that was fine. Mm. Right. So then it was like, okay, so the, the back of the box was at like whatever it was, 55 feet or 60, whatever that was. Um, and they were getting too much offense or, or the pitchers they weren't seeing enough run scored so like yeah. okay pitchers now you have to keep your foot on the back of the box now you can't like crow hop anymore right but it's still flat ground but then they were seeing too much offense 
So I was like, okay, so pitchers, we're going to give you a mound now. We're going to raise you up. We're going to give you height. Uh, so you're throwing at a downward angle to make it tougher to hit. Do you know what I mean? So it was this like weird pendulum swinging back and forth of they were getting too much offense, not enough offense, too much. You know what I mean? And then eventually they settled on, okay, the back of the box and 18 inches off the dirt or off the, off the grass gives you 60 feet. Like it just, it became there eventually. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it has nothing to do with like, oh, it's symmetrical and equidistant and they measure everything. You know, it's not, it, it evolved over 120 years. Yeah. And that's just how it goes. You know, in baseball changing the, the makeup of the baseball, does it have more pop, less pop, you know, just it- as Justin Verlander, he thinks they're loading those balls. Like, yeah. <laughs> they're tampering. Corking yeah. Them. It's, you know, and that's just baseball. It's, it's, it is a slow game, but I, you know, I've enjoyed it my, my whole life. So I continue to watch it. And, and you, I watch, you know what makes it slower and better? A fist fight in the first inning. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, then you can get into the unwritten rules of baseball too, right? It's, you know, you hit our guy, we're going to hit your guy. And um, that's kind of how this started. Well, and I and, think, I think the umpires, they, they let that game get away from them. So I'm, I'm, I don't know what the hard and fast rule is. And it, it's probably discretion like everything else is with umpires, but like they yeah. threw up and behind the head of a hitter. Suppose like the announcers are like on video going, well, that's an ejection, right? Like it's automatic. He's, he threw up and behind the head of a hitter. And the umpire's From like, the oh. game the night before where somebody and, else got flunked, right? right so well, he knew it was retaliatory. That's the well, thing. right. He, they threw it behind him the night before and then did it again in the first inning, left it alone. Then they plunked the guy in the second inning and that guy like lost his mind. And then was yelling at everybody and the coaches were yelling. And, and, and my favorite thing about the entire fight wasn't that the punches were being thrown. Is that like, after people are like bloody to a pulp and things are like breaking up, then the bullpens come running in. Like, Hey guys, it looks like the danger's over. We're not going to get punched because we're pitchers. So let's just, (laughs) let's jog out there 20 minutes after everything's going down. And then we'll pretend like, Hey man, we were here to back you up. Dude, they were like already sitting in their own dugout when you came jogging in from the center field. I don't like it. <laughs> you didn't do anything, but thanks for jogging out. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's always funny when the bullpens jog out too. I mean, there was a brawl earlier in the year with the Mets. I think uh, Mets and Phillies was it was the Mets this year have been hit. The last I saw it was fifty one times. It might have gone up with the Astro <laughs> series, but they're you know by far the leaders of of uh, the Major League Baseball right now. But there was you know. Phillies pitcher and the Mets they were just going back and forth and finally we had enough and it ended up with Pete Alonso getting ripped down by the first base coach of the Phillies like getting kind of sucker sucker punch there and you know and there was the suspensions this ended up with 12 players getting suspended um, just a lot usually usually it's like the pitcher gets like five games which is like one start you know the batter might get a handful or whatever it's yeah 12 players or coaches I should say so it's 12 right people from 12 the people. organization yep. but uh you know, it's just one of those things. And these two are both in the AL West and they're both, you know, close for second place. Like, you know, it's not like, baseball is one of those where there's so many games that each individual game isn't that important. But, you know, the Angels were on that that losing streak there that they were they were in first and then just, you know, tanked it. Seriously. And, uh, and you know, now they're trying to claw back and losing a bunch of players to a fight. You know, it's one of those things. It's not as common anymore because the suspensions are so much more strict than they used to be. You know, there used to be fights. I just was watching the documentary on the 86 Mets and they used to fight people almost every game, it seems. I mean, the, granted, the, the Mason Mets. Yeah, they were all coked up and on Quaaludes <laughs> and stuff, but they were, they were, they ever were, seen the, uh, ever seen the Wolf of Wall Street? Just that, but like baseball, like just yeah, no, take Leo DiCaprio out and just put the Mets in and nailed it. Uh, we, we were there. 
there's some great bits in that documentary series that ESPN did uh, on the 86 Mets about just the stuff that they used to pull. But yeah, they would fight anybody. I mean, they were this gritty team that was like, if you're going to come at us, we're just going to hit you and then we'll fight you. They were the Pistons of the 90s. They would go fight people in the parking lot after the game. Like it was just ridiculous. (laughs) But there was no oversight. Nobody, you know, nobody really cared. And New York fans were loving it because they were like, you know, kind of the blue collar, uh, not blue collar, because there's really not blue collar in New York City, but, you know, the kind (laughs) of the everybody queens guy as opposed to kind of the historic yankees that are kevin james king of queens that's like one of our favorites right there that's kevin james jim brewer you know like there's a whole lot of mets fans jerry seinfeld's a huge met fan um (laughs) so yeah makes me just just think of kevin james now with that eating an apple bed he's going to a mets game guys eating a bushel of apples eating entire bag he's eating them down to the core dude they're 98 cents a bag like relax i'll get you more apples like quit eating them that way like yeah, he was one. I mean, you still, you can pretty much, you go to a Mets game at home and there's a good chance you run into Kevin James. He goes to a bunch of games a year and he's just Fantastic. sitting there. Yeah. Speaking of the Mets right now, they're in their worst skid of the season in a three, three game, game losing streak. Hot damn. Wow. And they, they, for some reason, they just cannot figure out. And it's not that they're not going to face them again in the regular season, but they could not beat the Astros. They lost four to the Astros over the last week and a half. Now listen, the um, Astros no hit the Yankees for 16 innings. <laughs> yep. No, the Astros are a good team. To do that. The one the one thing that I got going for me, talking about baseball and history and statistics, is back in 2015, the last time the Mets were in the World Series, they uh faced the Cubs in the regular season and didn't get a win. And then in the NLCS, they swept the Cubs in four games. So as Drew Smith, the pitcher who gave up the home run in the top of the ninth to the Astros yesterday said let's see him again because the last time that happened we swept them in the playoffs granted drew smith wasn't on the team but um i i don't know if i'd feel that confident for playing the astros in the world series having not beat them but uh, i don't i don't like playing the astros in general like so the Yankees just lost to the astros two to one tonight at least it was a good game it was close yeah but getting no hit like that for for 16 innings and stuff i do love that they started the series off by plucking altuve that's just like my favorite. Like, hey, welcome to the Bronx. Plunked. <laughs> just like first pitch, get him in the ribs, move on with our day. I mean, in all honesty, Altuve should get hit at the start of every game. Every single I, game, right. It should be that's that's baseball. That's America's pastime now. That's the unwritten rule. You cheat at baseball, you get hit with a ball every single time. Every single time. That always floors me how that happens. And I, and I guess I don't know. I don't know if I want them to be more like the NCAA or not. Cause like the NCAA, like you get that death sentence where like you vacated wins, you vacated championships to make you give back the Heisman trophy. Like they don't care if you won an award, didn't win an award, whatever it is. Like they go right after you, but like Tom Brady gets caught cheating with deflated footballs and stuff like that. And I love the people who are like, Oh, that was debunked. Like they had text messages from the equipment manager calling him the deflator. I mean, you couldn't, unless he called him out by name saying, Hey man, are you deflating the footballs? Like, I don't know what else you need when he calls him the deflator <laughs> and oh yeah when he was when his cell phone was sequestered or subpoenaed he smashed it with a hammer oh i do that to all my cell phones I, what <laughs> so you hadn't but then when they asked for it you smashed it because i know that innocent people always smash their cell phones right before a judge asks for it like i mean at what point do you he's a you know, and, then he, and then he won a super bowl that year like that yeah. that pisses that bothers me that pisses me off that he cheated and won a super bowl the same year 
Do you, like, I don't know. It's the tarnish that's on the Brady, Brady and Belichick, right? Like, like, I mean, objectively us as, as Buffalo fans and jet fans just can't <laughs> we're, stand we're probably the, a little biased, Patriots. right? Yeah. It's a little bit, but Belichick, you know, I mean, look at what he did, but he, you know, always was on the line, right? Like he always tried to figure out where the line was and he'd cross it and then he'd get caught, right? He's, He's videotaping the Jets. Why do you need to videotape the Jets? You beat them a hundred fucking times. Like the same what are you thing. Doing? Why do you need to deflate the footballs? You beat the Colts 35, nothing. Like you didn't need the, why? And, <laughs> there was no reason to cheat. Cause the thing is, is they, they, they write on the line. They try and figure out, right. It's, it's cause it wasn't like it was deflated that much. It was just enough, but they were trying to just skirt it and figuring out if there was a way that they could get any little bit of help. And right. Any advantage you get, it's, it's gamesmanship at that point. Like how more, how little bit of an advantage can we give to ourselves? I mean, it comes back to pine tar on the ball and baseball, right? Any little bit that you can get to give you that extra spin. Right. And what's legal, what's not right. They outlaw it. Then all these pitchers, the spin rate drops, right? Like it's, it's that gamesmanship and you figure out how much you can get away with. And Belichick just got caught multiple times. Do other teams probably do things like this? Maybe. Right? I, like, I, I think, I mean, I think it would be naive to think that they don't. I also think that they, as we just discussed, I think Brady, I think they would, they would have won those games anyways. There was no reason to cheat. I think they just would have won. They were good enough to just win. And then maybe that's what pisses me off the most is that like you were going to win anyways. You were the favorites, you know, you're quote the goat, but you still felt the need to cheat. And they're both like, I don't know. That's like, they're both going to have their Boston. Oh, hundred percent. I listen, even despite that, he's still probably the greatest quarterback of all time. Belichick's still probably the greatest coach of all time. Like, it's just despite those things, even if you took away those Super Bowls and like like the NCAA does, they vacated those wins for that season and took away that Super Bowl. He still has more than any other player. He still has he has more than most franchises. You know what I mean? Like that's that's just silly. You know, and it's it's that line, right? So then you think about baseball, back to that, right? You have the steroid era. Right. At the time, none of that was illegal. And then they, you know, made it illegal and then they got caught. And it's why, you know, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, not in the Hall of Fame, both, I think, deserving, you know, uh, and really but, and the cheating stuff doesn't bother me. So I think Tim, Tim Kirchin said it, I think the best that he said. He goes, he was, I vote for those guys. He goes, I don't penalize those guys. He goes, because they cared enough about winning that they cheated. He goes, make no mistake. He goes, there are cheaters in the hall of fame. He goes, I can't penalize these guys just because they found the newest way to cheat guys, put pine tar on the balls, guys who used a razor blade to scuff the ball guys. You mean, he goes, there are guys that did unethical against the rules things to enhance their careers and are in the hall of fame. He goes, that's literally all these guys did. They did something unethical that was against the rules, uh, but you let it in everybody else. So what the hell is the difference? And got caught, you know. I, Mark, yeah, like, Mark I don't McGuire's know. Mark yeah. not in. I don't think uh, Sammy Sosa's in. Right, like all those guys are just not going to get in. And and honestly, that time in baseball, that was it was fun to watch. That I mean, it, we were in like middle school, sixth grade, seventh grade when when McGuire and so I saw we're going back and forth with the home run. That's the race a, to 62 or whatever. Talking about 30 for 30. There's another great 30 for 30. That's all about the Sammy the summer, Sosa, Mark McGuire. Summer of whatever, summer of slam or something. It is. I know what you're talking about. It is. It, I mean, all the 30 for 30s are really great. I mean, if you like sports documentaries, go and watch them. They, they do a great it, job. What's wrong I, with you? We like, put them on at work all the time. They're fantastic. They're so good. 
There's I work a in a sports one. facility, everybody out there. It's not unethical that I'm watching sports documentaries at work. <laughs> There's a new I one. I'm not an accountant. There's a new one about the Red Wings, the the '90s Red Wings that just came out that I want to watch. But uh, you know, another dominant franchise there for a little while. Like. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, so I mean, you know, looking back at the Mets, right? They're on a three-game skid. They they four of six. They've won four of six in their last ten, and they still have the best record in the National League, right? So like, and you know, Mets Twitter is just like, here we go again because we've all, you know, as a Met fan, <laughs> this is what we've dealt with. But we just have to keep thinking like this is not, this is not last year. This is not the same because we also. Don't have Max Scherzer, who should be back for his next start. He pitched against the uh, Hartford Yard Goats yesterday, um, which is kind of hilarious. But did on he, a good did note, he win or did he lose that game? Did he win the re- rehab start? Was he? Could he, he pitched, not be? The- he pitched four and a third, gave up two earned runs and four hits and seven Ks. Like you know, it's a solid start for him. He didn't stay in long. He just wanted to, I think, get in his pitches. But the good thing in my mind that he did is he was pitching to Francisco Alvarez, who is our is our stellar catcher prospect that is killing the ball for the Binghamton Rumble Ponies and most likely will be an end-of-the-year call-up and should be a call-up to be our DH because another power hitter is definitely what we're missing right now. Who's who's your catcher now? Would he not jump in to so, at least get some backup duties or not really? So James McCann is, oh, is our, okay. is our well, he's, he's old. I mean, I'm trying to how old he's got to yeah. be 36, 37. I mean, he's up there. He's, He's in his, yeah, mid, uh, he's around our age, you know, <laughs> at the end of his career. <laughs> he's old as shit. Oh, he's our age. Oh, that's yeah. right, oh, okay. You know, in baseball <laughs> terms, it's the end of his career in, in, you know, industry in the United States, you know, you're still got 30 years left. Well, he's, but, uh, I mean, he's, he's born in 90. So he's, yeah. he's only 33. It's actually, it's not as bad. He's as a little there. younger, but McCann is, you know, what he is, is he, he's a good catcher and he is a, an okay hitter. Like he's not a power hitter. Francisco Alvarez is a like dominant, hard hitting catcher i mean he's gonna hit you you know 30 home runs and probably 80 rbis when he gets into a stride the 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 question mark is can he can he call a big league game behind the plate i think that's what it is i think that's what mccann brings to the table is that his leadership and his experience is what you're really asking for back there that he he's the general he's the general and they got tomas nito as their backup and he's you know he has streaks but he's not i'd rather have alvarez um, you know, and we'll see if he comes up, maybe he catches a game here or there to try and get him in. He's, he's also like 22 or 23 years old. Like he's the future. He's in the top 10 prospects, I think in all of baseball, like he's definitely the best in the pipeline that the Mets have. And, uh, you know, and so far knock on wood, you know, health wise, we've been doing all right with the Mets, uh, except for starting pitching. Um, <laughs> so right. that's what we're missing, right? And DeGrom's on his way back, hopefully going to be doing his first rehab start, which is a good thing because he hasn't pitched since spring training. And so if the Mets right now, best record in the NL, get their number one and number two pitcher who have, I think, five Cy Youngs between the two of them uh, back, uh, you know, this is going to be a force to mess with moving forward. And especially when you get to the playoffs, because you go to a four pitcher rotation, I mean, they're going to have three starters who deserve to probably be in that, that are going to have to be long relievers or just in the pen. Right. Help out any way they can. Because it's just, you know, like, who do you, who do you put in? Because we have pretty good wealth of starting pitching, um, which is great. So, you know, we don't have the same record as the Yankees. The Yankees are just stupid. Right I don't now. know. I don't know how why their pitching is like unconscious. I don't know how or why it's going on, but it's it's going well, and I'm I'm happy about it. It's I'm really I'm not doesn't sadden me at all. 
Yeah. I mean, they're, I mean, they have, you know, and the other thing with the Mets is right. The, the Braves are finally figuring it out and there there's only three games between them right now. So, it, you know, the Mets had a, a 10 game lead uh, at the beginning of June and now it's three. So yeah, a little bit of concern, but they're, they're still not without their starting pitching. The Yankees have like a 13 game lead over the blue Jays. And it's just like, it's ridiculous. I mean, if you, I would, if you'd have told me before the season that really the pitching might've been our, our strength and we're scoring runs too, but really pitching has been phenomenal that for, for a few years now, they've had one of the best bullpens in baseball. And it goes back to having, you know, when Chapman didn't suck and Batances and a lot of these other guys <laughs> where they really, they, they took the, uh, the Kansas city Royals model of, Hey, listen, we're going to have, I don't remember. It was Wade Davis and th- they had three unbelievable bullpen guys and they they trotted the same guy out there in the seventh the same guy in the eighth the same guy in the ninth and like and it's what helped them win a world series that yeah, when those guys a get sore subject a little bit of a sore subject i well, no, i know that size i, I want to make your your beard curl a little bit but that's fine that was jerry's familia blowing all those saves is what that was <laughs> but i digress <laughs> pouring salt on an open wound i'm terribly sorry Talking about assault on an open wound. How about uh, Aaron Judge there with the Yankees? What's going on there? Uh, so, you know, it, it, it frustrates me. I don't understand. So, like, really what I'm talking about is they went to arbitration a couple of weeks, a couple, uh, a couple of days ago, not weeks. Um, the, the low side, the Yankees wanted to pay him 17. And the high side, his arbitration stuff was $21 million a season. And they ended up, they settled on 19 and they avoided arbitration, which just seems stupid to me. Like, okay, so you literally just picked a point right in the middle of the two numbers. Like, and if I'm the Yankees, what are you doing? You, you are actively trying to resign the guy, right? Like you're not trying to piss him off. I get, you don't want, I mean, so I thought the last contract they offered him was fair. If I'm being honest, um, it was like seven years. It was North of $200 million. It would have made him the highest paid position player in Yankee history. The only, he would have been making more than $30 million a season. The only person he wasn't going to make more money than was Garrett Cole. Because I mean, he, he, listen, he's not getting $350 million. I don't think he should. Somebody might give it to him, but I'm honestly, I'm uninterested. And I think the Yankees are uninterested in having an Alex Rodriguez where at 38, 39 and 40, when he's, barely DHing and he can't hit his weight as far as a batting average goes you have to give him 30 million dollars a season like that's a problem it's I don't I don't like that um that being said you're the Yankees you're one of the most profitable fr- sports franchises on planet earth what are you quibbling over two million dollars for he's the front runner for the MVP he's the leading all-star vote getter and you were haggling with him you, 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 Hey, congratulations. You won at 19 million instead of 21. <laughs> like what the hell are we talking about? Like, Hey, Aaron, I understand that it is business and it, we can go to arbitration as is our right. We tried to get an extension, but uh, just in a show of good faith, we're, we're going to give you the full 21 million. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, so we, we think you've earned it just as a, Hey, we appreciate what you do here for us. No, we're going to play no pun intended hardball in this negotiation <laughs> And we're going to skimp and make you take 19 instead of 21 when it's such an insignificant number to the New York Yankees, like just the profits from the yes network bankroll the entire Yankee payroll, just the proceeds from the yes network, which nobody else has. Nobody else has an entire network dedicated to their franchise. I don't understand. Yeah, like what, do you, no. what do you do with the rest of the money? I, all the concessions, all the ticket sales, all the, the luxury boxes, proceeds, the personal seat licensing, everything that goes into that. I don't get it. 
and I don't know often, like I'm not knowledgeable enough in how like the luxury tax works and all the, all the inner workings of the, like the money in baseball. Cause there's no salary cap, but there is ways that teams are penalized if they spend too much money. Correct. Like, and, and it's like an increasing threshold of like every five years. That if you, so, you go over it any amount, you go into like luxury tax level one, where you have to pay a fee to the league for going over that. And if you go back to back years, you go up to level two, three, four, and I think five is the highest. And for like a long time, the Yankees were just living at level five. We don't care. Screw you guys. We are winning championships and spending four hundred million dollars and fight me. Nobody, I, whatever. Well, and that's kind of where, uh, you know, the, the Mets went and finally got an owner who, uh, you know, has a, a billion, you know, in the bank. Listen, and- every MLB team should have that. Everybody should have the billion. I feel bad for fan bases who are like, yeah, our payroll is $30 million, which is basically just what the Yankees are paying Garrett Cole. Like, well, it's, the small I mean? market, it's the smaller market teams. And that's what that's why the whole idea of a salary cap makes it so that it's supposed to be fair. Whereas in right. baseball, it's a little bit, you know, you have those power teams that, you know, that are in the big cities like New York, like Chicago, like Boston, like LA, right. They have a little bit more money because they can charge more. They can get more people in the seats, yada, yada, yada. But I don't know. All I'm thinking is, you know, I think judge will look good in that Mets uh, blue and orange in right field. And uh, it's a really nice pipe dream that you have, but I don't see that happening. I don't know. I mean, Cohen, Cohen is all about, I mean, he's a lifelong Met fan and he bought the team that he's been rooting for since he was a kid. You know, like I said, he's got the money, which is Listen, good. To, to be honest with you, if, 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 if the Mets give him a 10 year, $425 million, honestly, as a Yankee fan, you can have him. And I'm yeah. not joking. I'm like, you, you can have him for $42 million a season. To, he's already 31 years old. It's not like we're talking about a 27-year-old in his prime where I'd be fine with a 10-year contract. He's already in his 30s. 10 years puts him at 41. I'm just not interested in paying somebody that kind of money into their 40s. I'm just not. It's Now, so, if they want to up the annual, if they want to keep it at like seven years and give him, instead of the 210 they offered him before, the two whatever it was, Give them 260, give them 27, make it 36, $37 million a year. It's not the money. It's the longevity and the age will be when it's done. Yeah, that's, the, that's really the, my concern. The thing with, you know, the, the thing now that's changed is that the NL has the DH, right? So like, right. That's a big deal. So really. That's a big deal because before this year or before really the COVID years, when they changed that, like the NL, it was a different world because you couldn't just have a guy that you just paid a bunch of money to just hit for you. Just hit, right. You know? But like if Judge got to that point where maybe he's not that great of a fielder anymore, so you put him in he as could a be the, the Nelson, Nelson Cruz. He could the just Nelson go Cruz somewhere, just right. Go be kill 40 years old, and, exactly. And play till he's 40 and do that, right? Like, and maybe that's that, you know, maybe that's where Pete Alonzo gets at some point, right? I mean, he's only 27, so we got I, plenty. I also, th- I also think that that's an anomaly, though. I don't think that happens very often. For every Nelson Cruz, there's a, well, Met fan, there's a Robbie Cano who's 38, 39, 40 years old and hit a buck 60 or went like, then the, you guys cut him, which was the right move. He just ate that money, but it didn't matter. He was just a, a roster clogger at that point. We finally had an <clears> owner <throat> that was willing to just eat that cost, right? Right. Because the Mets, you know, with all the Ponzi scheme and the Will Ponds, like it was just... <laughs> 
you know, they had no money. So they were just nickel and diming in the biggest market in, in, you know, in the country. And we finally got an owner who went and paid Lindor, you know, $240 million to come to our team and, you know, is, is going to hopefully pay DeGrom the money that he deserves, depending on that'll be a big old contract, but I think he's talking about, he's talking about opting out of his contract. He's got one year left and he's going to opt out and they're going to hopefully work on a, on a uh, on an extension or on a new contract to keep them. I, I think that they will, um, but it's not going to be cheap. Will it be Garrett Cole money? I don't know because of the injuries, right? But right. Like, it's going to be up thing. there. He's just not been healthy and it's, you know, but when he pitches, I mean, last year he had an under one ERA before he got hurt in like 15 starts. Like it was, he was on pace to be the most dominant pitcher ever. And then he ended up, you know, having the UCL issue and, and, and really the rest of the season. This and, this this was a cautionary tale for every MLB player out there that this is what can happen. You have Aaron Judge and DeGrom who basically bet on themselves that to this point have not signed long, lucrative extensions or contracts, right? And Judge bet on himself and said, no, I'm not taking your $30 million a season. I'm worth more. The Yankees at the time said, fine. And now he's just crushing it and he's maybe the best player in baseball right this second i just he's killing it um degrom kind of did the same thing and got hurt degrom has degrom has one more year technically on his contract right, he just but, has but the you know what i mean like, right exactly and the early indication he's saying is that he's going to opt out of it because he wants to try and get a new contract so if right. he opt out then yes and it's going to depend on what he looks like if he comes back and the mets win the world series and he's dominant through the playoffs you know it makes that whatever that next contract is much easier. He comes back and looks like a shell of himself and isn't where he's at. Maybe he doesn't opt out of that contract and he takes another year to try and bolster his image. But, you know, I mean, he's just one of those pitchers that he's, he's been solid when he's in there, even coming off different injuries that he's had throughout his career. Right. So, it's know, crazy. Exciting times to be a Met fan for sure, <laughs> because, you know, I I've dealt with just all the, all the shit. And, uh, you know, every, speaking of- every time you mention that Ponzi scheme, I just remember that episode of the office. We're like, how is this not a pyramid scheme? Okay. You get two guys. And then each one of those guys do, and he just draws the triangle around the, the pyramid of guys that he created. Like how did the guy not know he was in a Ponzi scheme and lost all of his money? It's like the most Mets thing ever. Well, you know, so talking about the most Mets thing ever, you know what tomorrow is? Tomorrow is the most Mets thing ever. Oh, it's Bobby Bonilla Day? Tomorrow is Bobby Bonilla Day. Yes, sir. When the Mets pay $1.19 million to Bobby Bonilla. I mean, he must have the greatest agent ever. I don't know who this guy was. I don't know what where this idea came from, but, I mean, he is a genius. He will be getting paid $1,193,248.20 from the Mets every July 1st until 2035. You know what the stupid thing was? That That was the buyout from his contract. They they brought in Lindor on that big, long contract, and Lindor's contract will expire. He will have spent a full tenure with the Mets, and Bobby Bonilla will still be getting paid by the Mets, which is fantastic. And it's just – it's it's the butt of the joke (laughs) – And, you know, so it's been the joke forever, right? It's Bobby Bonilla Day. Tomorrow on ESPN, there'll be the bit about Bobby Bonilla Day. And it's hilarious. Didn't the the owner, like, he wanted to, like, bring him out and drive him around in a golf cart and give him a huge, like, golf check, like the big, like the huge one? 
there were a whole they, bunch of things. They were gonna, they were gonna make a thing saying. out of it. it they're like, hey, listen, steer into the swerve, man. Let, it's a joke. Let's go out there and make it funny. There was a fan on Twitter that tweeted at Steve Cohen when right after he bought the team. And Steve Cohen didn't have Twitter until after he bought the team. Then he got it, and he's been he interacts with fans like he he's all he is a Met fan. Like he's not just in it for the money. He's in it just because he loves this team. And he wants them to. What win. would happen if Kevin James had a billion dollars? He'd exactly. buy the Mets, and he would do all this shit. That's that's how that would go. Exactly. And so a fan tweeted at him, "Hey, on Bobby Bonilla Day, you should get T-shirts made that says, on this day I went to a Mets game, and Bobby Bonilla got one point one nine million, and all I got was this lousy T-shirt." <laughs> and right. I and he and he responds back, and he tweets back at him like, oh, "That's not a bad idea," which is just hilarious that the billionaire owner of the Mets is like. Let's make a joke out of it. Let's make it fun. It would probably cost him like 20 grand in t-shirts. He wouldn't even care. It'd just be like, whatever, like just go and make a, uh, right. To a billionaire, 20 grand is the, is the penny jar. Like it's, well, and that's, well, that's what I'm talking about with the Yankees and judgment. Like, what are we talking about here? It's a penny in a well, $2 million to like one of the best players in baseball. Good grief. Charlie Brown. What are you doing? At this point, if we give Judge a 10-year contract, that contract will expire before Bobby Bonilla is done getting paid by the Mets. <laughs> right. So even after the season, <laughs> Judge leaves the Yankees, signs a 10-year deal with the Mets. It expires. He retires. Bobby Bonilla is still getting paid. <laughs> like, it's, there, it's just... There reminds me of that, that, that Tom Brady stat that I read that, that uh, Troy Polamalu, who was a Hall of Fame safety, was drafted, played a 13-year career, retired, waited five years, and made it into the Hall of Fame all during Tom while Tom Brady was playing. Like all of that happened while he was there. Which Tom kind of Brady's me. still playing. Yeah. Right, well, that's it's the whole ridiculous. thing. I mean, Brady's playing again. I think we talked about this in the last podcast too, but it, I hate his stupid face. I don't but care. Br- yeah. But Brady's playing against the kids of players that he started his career playing <laughs> against. Like it's yeah. ridiculous. So the whole Bobby Bonilla thing is in, in 2000, the Mets agreed to buy out the remaining 5.9 million of Bonilla's contract. <laughs> but they didn't have any money. But they had no money. So they said what they'll do is they'll pay him 1.2, 1.19 million year million for 25 years starting in 2011. So they essentially pushed it down the road 11 years and then said that they'll end up paying him, you know, 1. So he made so- he made no money for 11 years he made no money for 11 years to make 25 million or whatever uh right or i don't know what the the math is 1.1 so it'll be like 30 million total so it's gonna take 5.9 he's gonna get 30 but it's over 25 years it's it's the do you want to take this as a lump sum payment or do you want to spread this out over the next 50 years like it's right tax-free million or you want the thousand dollars a week for the rest of your life oh okay it's just hilarious and it's uh yeah I'm reading didn't, it. Didn't, didn't the Islanders do that? Like, didn't they try? Didn't they give like Rick DiPietro like a 15 year contract? I'm remembering that. I'm correctly. pretty sure like, they're still paying DiPietro or just that's what ended, I'm saying. Yeah. It's a very, what is it with the, the Islanders and the Mets? Like, yeah, we'll just give you a 15 year contract. Well, so the thing is, is, you know, unless you're the NFL, every other, every other league, I, I don't know if it, the NBA is fully guaranteed. I don't think the NBA is fully guaranteed. Um, but, you know, baseball and, and hockey, when you sign a contract, you're guaranteed that money, right? No matter what, right? Unless there's maybe an injury and they they feel like a settlement there. But like, if you're on the roster, you do that. I mean, look at the Sabers; they still have a Poso on the lineup, and they probably would want to get rid of him. <laughs> because, I mean, he hasn't really. I mean, this past year he he did better, but you know that's why there's the buyouts, right? And you figure out what number you gotta pay them to buy them out of their contract, and that's you know. 
That's just how it goes. And that's what Bonilla did is he figured out how to, how to so get re- that contract. And now he is making a million dollars a year doing absolutely nothing. I think so. DPHO's contract just expired in 2001. I'm yeah. sorry, 2021. Yeah. So last, last year that I don't, I don't know when he last played hockey. He's 40, but I mean, he was still getting paid $4.5 million up until last season. So I'm going through this article on ESPN about how, like how rare this arrangement is. And it's really, so Bonilla's is, is, you know, playing with the Mets and Orioles, the Orioles pay him $500,000 a year for 25 years. And those payments began in 2004. So he's receiving money from two teams based on (laughs) contracts. Max Scherzer is getting paid out by the nationals through 2028 for 105 million. So Scherzer still making money from the Nats. Ken Griffey Jr. will receive 3.59 million from the Reds every year through 2024 as a deferral from his nine-year, 116 million dollar deal he signed in 2000. So it's so essentially what they're doing is they're pushing it down the line, hoping that the money's worth less, you know, because of inflation right. and, and all that. It, it well, the salary cap goes up and everything. Right? Yeah. So it sounds kinda, it sounds like future Rick and future Austin's problem, right? That's. Well, that's, that's what, you know, look at Josh Allen's contract, right? Like at the time that was a very high contract, but now looking at, at the league and what the salary cap's going to go to that Josh Allen deal is perfect for the bills moving forward, right? Like they're going to have some flexibility because they're not going to pay him what he would have gotten paid, you know, even this year now with what Deshaun Watson got, like, you know, it's, it it's a way of, you know, and with the NFL, it's all about the money they bring in because they share it all um, based, you know, from the TV deals. And they just are going to get that huge TV money coming in in the next couple of years. Right. OK, so, so here's here's a question for you. So I've been in a few debates about this. And when I say a few, they're always with the same person. So um, so we were talking about Poyer. OK, um, who's unhappy with the fact that he's making 10 million dollars a season. He wants an extension. Yeah. Um, my whole thing is twofold. Now, I think Bean is a wizard. And I think in being we trust, he can do whatever the hell he wants. And I'm pretty much okay. So whatever he decides, I'm pretty much okay with, because I have faith that he'll figure out, even if I think it's too much money, he'll figure something else out. Um, but there's lots of people who need extensions. You, I, the adage has always been, you can't pay everybody. At yep. some point you have to make the tough decisions. Um, I don't think Poyer's worth much more than like maybe 12 or 13. Like he maybe deserves a raise. He's also 31 years old. Like he's in the end of his career. He's maybe got one or two years left. Like some of the best safeties all time make it to like 33, 34. And that like, that's it. Like Palomalu made it barely to 33, 30. He was a hall of famer. Poyer is not a hall of famer. I think he functions well in our system. Um, but I really, I just don't think like, so my coworker said that he was going to get three years, 45 million. He thinks he's getting 15 million a season. And he's getting it for three years, which would put him at 34 and make him one of the highest paid safeties in football. And I'm not saying that Bean won't do that. Cause again, if he does wind up doing that, I trust that he'll be able to give other people extensions who need them. But for me, I'm like, that would make him like top five highest paid safety in football. Like he's not, I mean, I felt he was underrated for a long time, but like, I don't think he's a top five safety. Yeah. And I'm looking so, at like what all these guys are signing. I don't know. Like Micah Fitzpatrick just signed that huge deal yeah. with Pittsburgh where he got like 70 some million dollars. And he texted me and going, Hey, is a uh, Neil texted me. He goes, Hey, he goes, you still think that Poyer is getting not going to get 15. He goes, cause Fitzpatrick just got 17. 
I go, Fitzpatrick is 27 and he might be the best free safety in all of football. Like that neither one of those things applies to Poyer. He's not the best player in his position and he's five years older. Like that's not the same thing. So I got a couple of points on this. Um, oh boy. One is, uh, you know, once again, I hate to give Bill Belichick credit for anything, but what he was very good at, and I hasn't done it lately because they haven't really had the players, but he was, <laughs> he was the, he was great at trading players away in their prime right before they declined. Right before the drop right, off. That's what people right are supposed to do in fantasy football. That that's the goal to get rid of a guy right. with like one year left of being good. Like, so you give it, so you get the short term, the person getting them gets the short term invest, like gets the short term benefits, but not the long term, but gets the long term problem. Right. That's right. the, that's what, that's what you want to strive to do. And Belichick was always good at that. Right. I mean, Hainsworth, yeah. right. He got rid of, uh, got like two, he got two first round picks for like Richard Seymour. Yeah. Who was a really good defensive end, but he was like 28, 29 and he traded him away. I, I don't think he went to, he went to Oakland. And now is Poyer that? I don't think so. The thing with Bean is I agree. It's, Bean it's a devalued really position good. too. I don't think people are paying middle of the road safeties. I just don't think, I mean, if you're elite, if you are elite and you're the top guy, I don't know. I, I don't know if Poy- Poyer's, he fits really, really well in our system, but then in yep. Cleveland, he was nothing. I think yeah, the, the secondary the we've assembled is good. They function well as a unit. But so, right, th- so you that being said, I think it. somebody else would fit there too. I don't. You got to look at it too, right? So, with the NFL, there's ways to kind of tweak the salary so that you can it's, it's a, a fictional contract. thing. It, 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 it's like, an imaginary number. The salary, salary cap, cap in the NFL is like the hardest thing to grapple with because there's so many ways you can manipulate where the money is spent. Right. Right. Like like in hockey, you sign a contract, you get paid that amount that it's you take the total, you divide it by the years, and that's what your annual average <laughs> salary, and that's what right. you get. And that's what's on the salary cap, right? It's like boom, boom, boom. The NFL, you could front load a contract. So you give Poyer 45 over, you know, three, three years, 15, but or 15, you know, 15 a year, 45 total, but you but put you some guarantee signing 20 bonus, of it. Right, you put it exactly, you front yeah, yeah. load the you front load the guaranteed money so that if he falls off, you could cut him and just take a dead cap hit or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Right. I'm not a cap expert. Bean has cap experts. He came in. I think he's. Team. I think he's a cap expert, or whoever he's listening to is like the most valuable guy in football. Either him or his doing. team. But you know, I've been in Buffalo and I've listened to sports radio and I've watched this team. And when they came in, right, they got that super lucky win with Tyrod Taylor with with uh, Cincinnati. You know, blowing the, the Tyler boy winning that game against Baltimore. You know, they end the drought, they get in. But the thing is, is if you look at what they did after that, is they got rid of a whole lot of bad contracts. They got rid they, of Mar- they, Marcel Darius and like that $100 million deal there that they cut dead weight across and the they, board. And then what did they do the next year? They had a, a rookie quarterback who was super rough, who came in, got hurt, um, had some flashes, but wasn't doing much. But then, you know, Kind of hey, let, let, let's year. get let's let's get them weapons now. And then they signed Beasley and John Brown, and they got they drafted Dawson Knox. It's like they well, did that, what they could to help them. That year, that first year, they got lucky. They had the bad money. That second year, they cut a lot of the bad money out, and and it was a tough year, right? They, they went what six and ten, which was like the curse of the Bills forever. Like they went six and ten every year in the drought. It seemed. Right. They were always picking like ninth or 11th. It yeah. Was, not good enough to have like number like, one overall, but like, never, <laughs> just to, 
never the worst team, never the best team, but somewhere in the middle, right? And like so then, Spiller was like 11 and Stefan Gilmore was nine. And there's like, and, and Marshawn Lynch was like 12. There's a whole lot of just right eight to 12. We're just living there. Like, as a Jet fan, we were there a little bit. Then these past years, we've been up in the top, which hopefully you had, you hopefully, had three, three first round picks. You guys were just rolling in it, just like the Sabres this year. So hopefully, <laughs> there's a turnaround. But what I'm getting at is I think Bean came in and he got rid of those bad contracts and he understands the salary cap to a T. And like you said, he's an expert there. And I think he's going to look at it in, in all facets to figure out what the best move is for the team long-term and short-term. And also seeing where the salary cap's going to go. Cause there's going to be a huge jump in that number. Once this I think TV it's money comes 2023 in. is when that TV money comes through. It's like, it was like a yeah. billion dollars. It was something stupid. Yeah, and it's gonna the salary cap's gonna jump up, and then you'll be able to pay. But it's all figuring out how to keep this team as a contender because you know they're going into this season as the odds-on favorite to win the Super Bowl, and you know, and maybe that's why you try and keep Poyer because he's been a part of this. You have the continuity. You have that. I mean, he's still technically under contract for this year, so even if you don't resign him, I mean, he could hold out and take the the penalty, but or or you try and trade them and see what you can get back, whether it's an asset or a draft, you know, and just move on from them. But you have to have somebody who can do his job if you get rid of them. Right. And it's, you know, so that's, those are all the, that's all the facets. I think Bean is an incredibly intelligent GM. And I think he is one of the best GMs in the league, just based on what he's done with this. I mean, he has turned this team around and granted, you know, you get lucky and you get Josh Allen who turns into a stud. I mean, he was rough out of Wyoming <laughs> and he turned it around and yes, it's coaching, but it's also the player putting in the time to do it. And it, it's worked. I mean, look at all the other quarterbacks during the drought that the bills drafted that didn't make it right. Like you, there's so many of those that didn't hit that you finally hit. That's me as a jet fan, what we're dealing with now, right? We haven't had a solid quarterback since, I don't know, Joe Namath, really? I mean, Chad Pennington, Vinny Testaverde, like it's, it's, it's never been great. I mean, Mark Sanchez is the last one to get us the back-to-back AFC championships, and it wasn't him that did it. it was Mr. Butt Fumble? Exactly. But we had, a, you know, we had a, a top defense that, you know, it was Rex Ryan doing what the Ravens did. You, you can thank Eric Mangini for that. Yeah. Eric I think because he he built those teams and then Rex took over, went to back-to-back AFC championship games, then had four straight losing seasons and was fired. So it's like as soon as his players started coming in, dog doo-doo. <laughs> it went downhill. Yeah. And I think Rex is a is an incredible defensive coach, as you can say from the Ravens, which are, you know, when he won the Super Bowl with the Ravens, they probably had one of the greatest defenses of all time. Um and but He's was a horrible head coach. And yes, Eric Mangini built that team. They went to two AFC championship games, lost both, and then haven't won since. Like they have not been in the playoffs since. And now we're going on to 11 years of, or 12 years now, I think, or whatever. It's it, hoping this is the year, you know, cross my fingers. <laughs> I mean, so so looking at cap space stuff, so um, it looks like it's it's 208 this year, 208 million, um, goes up to 225 next year, and then goes up to 256 the year after that. So going up 50 million dollars over the next two years has to be that new um, TV money. Yeah. Um, this year, bills are towards the bottom. They they have the third worst salary cap situation where they only have five million dollars to spend. Yep. Uh, Jets have about 10. 
Next year, however, uh, I mean, they get a little bit better. Actually, they're in, they're in the black. They go over $4 million. Um, so I don't know how they're going to do Even though the cap goes up, it must be Allen's contract kicking in where they're going to have to do some finagling. Um, that happens because you it's just, you know, you're going to end up cutting players. You're going to end up right. well, trading got, a player. They got you know. $16 million in dead cap this year from like Starla Tulele, Daryl Williams, Mario Addison. Like none of them was egregious. Like Star was the worst one at $5.2 million. Yeah. But then yeah, a whole bunch of guys that we cut Jake Kumaro, Jake from AJ Klein, 400 grand, 150 grand. It wasn't anything, but it's $16 million that we're just sitting on that we can't yeah. use. So we'll, we'll get freed up for next year as well. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? I mean, it, and that's, that's why you have, you know, bean counters that keep, you know, no pun intended, but you have bean counters that are keeping track of all that and how the contracts work because it is such a, kind of dynamic thing for what's dead cap and what's signing bonus and what's salary and what ma- makes uh, my head spin. There's so much math. <laughs> I'm not good at it. It's why it I just listen terrible. to people who are more knowledgeable about it. I don't act right. that I understand it fully. I just, you know, kind of say my opinion on it and move on. You know, the jets had a lot of space because they've been terrible and they haven't had any high profile players, but we'll see. Like, you know, it's, let's see what happens. That's, that's all we can do now is sit back and watch, see if the Bills can win the Super Bowl and see if the Jets can somehow get into the playoffs in that tight AFC race that we, we talked about We legitimately might have, like, one of the toughest divisions. I mean, it's, it's, it's like, weak, but it's tough. Like, I can see – well, not Buffalo, but I could see Miami having a losing record. I could see the Patriots having a losing record, and I could see the Jets being terrible. Like, like I, I, think, I said last time, I think the Patriots are going to be the worst team in the AFC East, and, and I stick by that prediction. But we'll see. But yeah, it could definitely be. I mean, I think the Bills are in t- tier one, and then I think Miami and the Jets are in tier two, and the Patriots are probably also in tier two, but towards the bottom. Like I just I don't see how they've made any improvements really, unless Mac Jones just ends up being this miraculous quarterback that the Patriots fan think he is. But I don't know. The last game he played did not look very good. So Granted. It was against Buffalo, though, so everybody doesn't look good against Buffalo. That's great. That's... Except for the Chiefs. Um, <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. Hey, we also looked good. I mean, there's not – I don't know what you want to – Except for that coin toss. They didn't look good there. Seriously, um, that's that stupid uh, golf matchup, too. What is Josh Allen's biggest fear? Coin tosses. Yeah. Tails never fails, except against the Chiefs. No. Um... <laughs> I just stopped crying about it. Why would you bring it up? All right. Crazy talk. So I think so. The, the last time you were here, we talked about <laughs> AFC teams making the playoffs. Um, what do we think about NFC? Be the, last, be the last thing we do today. What do we think? NFC teams making the playoffs. I think it's a little more cut and dry um, than the AFC. Yeah. So AFC, I had a little. Or, or, we, we left some really good teams off. <laughs> like I had a little bit more uh, advanced notice. One, so I was able to look at it a little bit more. Not a ton, I, I but, did spring it on you last night. That is true. Yeah, but it, it's one of those where I was looking at it, and I and my initial thought was I just picked everybody who was in the playoffs last year because I'm like that makes the most sense. But I'm like statistics it, show that somebody's going to be out, right? That somebody's going to flip. Well, the NFC East has never hasn't had back to back division winners in like 20 years or something ridiculous. Like, right. So. So I guess start there in the East, right? I mean, you have the Cowboys who are just, they get there and then flop. It's, it's miraculous. It's like the, it's like the Toronto Maple Leafs of 
of the NFL. <laughs> right, like, right, right, no, that's a very good analogy. Like the, the Cowboys are just, and, and believe me, I love seeing it because it just makes me so happy to watch Jerry Jones get upset. But, um, you know, I think, I mean, they still have a solid team. Uh, I think the Giants are in a bit of a, you know, now they have Brian Dayball that they're going to maybe turn it around. We'll see how Dayball is as a head coach as opposed to just an offensive coordinator. Um, I definitely so, think only one team is making it out of that division. I think it, if it's anybody, it'll be the Cowboys. But yeah, see, it could be, Cow- could be Philly. Could be Philly. They've so certainly I, most improved. I had Philly as my division winner just because I couldn't – just because of the statistics of never being – there hasn't been a back-to-back winner. Right. So I didn't pick the Cowboys. I went with the Eagles. Now, the Washington Commanders, uh, you know, they're – the. They, they were kind of fighting last year and had a bit of a rough patch, and they're another team that could be there. But well, Listen, they, they, they um, dealt with injuries. They had some issues. But, I mean, I, I find it hard to believe that Carson Wentz may not be unbelievable. He's got to be better than Tyler Heineke, right? I mean, that has to be that, right? I, <laughs> so I'm, yeah. like, I'm second-guessing myself. I feel like that needs to be true. Yeah, no, exactly. So, I think, I mean, I'll get to the wild-card teams, but, I, but for now, division winner for the East, I think, an Eagle. So, then – Going to the West, uh, tough one. I, I think you got to just go with the Rams. I mean, I you know I know they won it last year, but they won the Super Bowl. They have a pretty stacked team. If uh, you know Odell Beckham comes back and adds more to that wide receiving, I know well, they, they, they signed they, Allen Robinson, so that was a big deal. They for got them. Allen Robinson as well. They they lost uh, uh, Von Miller, who came over to the the Bills, but you know they still have Aaron Donald. So like Aaron Donald is like three. <laughs> they they in also the defensive line. Like they also signed Bobby Wagner, who's a hall first ballot Hall of oh. Famer, middle linebacker. So I mean that's not going. They're not going to be hurting on defense. They're going to be okay. Yeah, and you know, and yes, that's a tough division. I mean, that division last year had three teams that made the playoffs, and I I will get to the wild card, but I think they're going to have three. <laughs> I think they're going to have so three teams so you're that make going, the playoffs going again. with the Rams again. All right. Yeah, I think I think you have to. Uh, you know, they they earned it. They earned their respect of it. Stafford, you know, looked at his full potential. Um, they were their defense. I mean, they were a solid team. Then they they handled the the Bengals. Now, if the Bills were in that game, I think it's a different game in the Super Bowl. But you know, can't correct. I'm can't with you. Change history. So the North is probably the uh, probably the easiest. Actually, the next two are the easiest. I mean, it's really <laughs> it's it's the Packers. I mean until somebody in that division can figure it out, it's, it's gotta be the Packers because I, I agree with you. Like, what are the bears even doing? The Vikings just find ways to be bad, mediocre. That's they'll be in second. I think, I think they'll be in second. That's and Detroit's going to get their Detroit on. And Detroit, I, I fully anticipate them drafting a, one of the seven quarterbacks. that's going to go in the first round next year. And, you know, I, I've always really liked the lions. I don't know why I, I like, I, I just feel for them. Like they, like they've had some of the greatest players in NFL history, Stafford, Barry Sanders, Calvin John, like they've had some of the most unbelievable talent of all time and had like nothing to show for it, which is just brutal. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So the Packers are really there until somebody unseats them or Aaron Rodgers gets hurt. Like that's really what it comes down to. If Aaron Rodgers gets hurt, somebody wins that division with a losing record. Like that's really what it comes down to. <laughs> seven and nine, you know? Seattle, right? No, you don't even have to do seven and nine. You can be eight and nine now. Oh, I'm and, sorry. That's right. Yeah, it's changed now. That's right. Right. Like it's 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 that's what happens, really. They, you know, I think the Packers run away. They win it by multiple games. They're 
head and shoulders above everybody else. Probably sweep the division. Like it's it's just I don't know. It's tough to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> and then in the South is in the same boat, right? I mean, like it's got to be the Bucks because Brady's back and Brady just has that factor as much as I would love to see him just crash and burn, but Brady just finds a way granted he loses Gronk, but he still has, you know, a lot of the kind of core in place there. The, the only team that might beat them is the saints. I don't know why they always struggle with the saints. They have a fantastic defense, but you got no Drew Brees. You got no Sean Payton, but Atlanta is like, I don't want to say completely devoid of talent, but <laughs> there's nobody there. I mean, Drake London will be good. I mean, Pitts is good, but I mean, it's still Marcus Mariota throwing him the ball. And I mean, other than Deion Jones, I can't name any people on their defense. I don't know who else plays there. Who's the quarterback for the the Saints nowadays? It's Jameis Winston. Oh, it's Winston. So, I mean. That's what I mean. So their defense might keep him in. I mean, listen, Winston can sling it. He might throw 50 picks, but he can throw 50 touchdowns. He's proven that. That's it's It's possible. Yeah. And then, you know, and then you have the Panthers in that division that are just like, if they get Baker Mayfield, like maybe then it's a different story, but it'll be a little better. I don't think Baker gets him over the box. If anything, Baker, puts come on, man, they got Sam, Sam Darnold, former jet prodigy. Come on. That's yeah. the Zach Wilson of yesteryear. You know, I really like Sam Darnold when he came <laughs> out. I thought he was a good fit personality wise. I think he just got done dirty by the team and just didn't have a good, didn't have good coaching and it, and it, you know, and it, I don't know. I want him to succeed, but he hasn't shown that. And I can't imagine if anything, he's going to just be like most of the Jets quarterbacks of the last 10 years, uh, perennial backup in the league somewhere else. Yep. Geno Smith is still in, in still in the league and is he's a the front runner right now to be the starter in Seattle. Like we might see yeah. a bunch of Geno. Unless Baker Mayfield goes out there. I, you Which know, it's it really could be that. It's, so Baker or, or Jimmy Garoppolo, there could be there could be a bunch of them. Or if they trade Jimmy G, yeah, I mean if Jimmy G comes out to Carolina too, like you know either of those quarterbacks make Carolina a better team for sure. Because sure. anything's better than Sam Darnold. <laughs> so uh, we're under your your wild card teams, right? So that's so wild card, right? It's like so my first wild card I have probably in the top are the Cardinals, and they honestly could probably fight for the division with the Rams. You know, as long as Kyler is Kyler and have like a holdout hissy fit or whatever he's doing because he wants to make the most money, even though he hasn't really backed it up. Like I, it's been I a prima know. donna like his whole life between the choosing with baseball and football thing and that whole wanted increased signing bonus. I don't know. It was very. Yeah, it's it is know. what it is. Like I, you know, I it's just. I don't know. He's a good quarterback when he, when he plays, uh, but I, the off the field stuff can just get taxing, but I think they're a solid team. Um, then I think the next wild card is, is probably the Cowboys. I think they still have a solid team. Uh, they could probably win the division. I just put the Eagles just based on the statistics alone of changing it. Um, you know, Dak Elliott, you know, Amari Cooper, right? They have Amari Cooper. Yeah. No, they tra- traded him to the Browns. Oh, they traded. Now Shit. it's that C- CD Lamb. CD Lamb. That's all right. See, this is where I gotta, I gotta get back <laughs> into football mode of figuring out who's. So you're not the misquoter in this one. You're the misstatter. You're the misplayer. I don't know. That's a weird nickname. You know, I go real hard into figuring out where people are playing like a few weeks before my fantasy drafts, and we're so right. not there yet. This is it's the dead super time. early yet, right? It's a lot of football talk for for this late. This is the June. dead time for the NFL. This is the dead time for me to kind of relax before I get into fantasy football <laughs> mode. 
And my last wild card spot, this is one that I put in earlier, but I, you know, I have a case in my mind for maybe the Washington in this spot, but I think it's the 49ers. Um, I think once again, they find a way in and there's three teams from the West because that West division, I think is the best in, in the conference for sure. I think it hinges Um, on Trey Lance, right? I mean, that you're starting a guy in his first year as a starter. How good can he be? Is he dynamic and using his legs or is it a, Hey, we probably should have held on to Jimmy Garoppolo. That didn't work out. It wasn't as good as we thought. Yeah, but Jimmy G, you know, eats up a bunch of salary that they could then, you know, sign Samuel to and see if he Very true. can be the guy. Oh, it's like, I don't know. I just think that that the Niners could find a way in. Um, it could be Washington. It could be the Saints. Like, I think that last spot will come down to the last week of the season, and it should be a good, a good battle. Um I don't think it's going to be just a runaway, I, you know, and I think also the AFC is going to be tight in the wild card as well. Cause there's probably seven teams that deserve those three wild card spots. Right. I think um, there's at least 10, 10 to 12 teams that you can make a, a strong argument of making the yeah. playoffs. So, yeah. So that's kind of what it is. Eagles, Rams, Packers, Bucks, Cards, Cowboys, Niners, which is pretty much the same except for, yeah, that's the same teams that made it last year. <laughs> um. Or maybe the Eagles did. I don't remember. Uh, yeah, the Eagles. Eagles were Eagles were in. Yeah. They made it. Then they got trounced. Then they lost in the first. I round. think my only change is that the Eagles win the division. So I ended up going with the same winners as last year. So statistically, I'm wrong, and it's going to be different. But that's the, what's the, what's lovely about the NFL is it's 17 games, and anything can really happen based on an injury, based on somebody showing up who hasn't. You know, baseball is the law of averages. Football is what have you done for me lately? And that's right. what makes it that's what makes it different and fun. And that's why we're obsessed with it. And we talk <laughs> about it for an entire week and then watch all the games and then talk about it for a week. It's, it's they need to add more so football. Watch. It's already on Thursdays and Sundays and Mondays. And then at some point they add Saturdays. It's on the Thursdays for Thanksgiving. And it's it's more, you know, and that's what it is. And that's why it's the, you know. It's a billion dollar industry and we get sucked into it in so many levels. Look, we're sitting here talking on a computer uh, about the NFL and somebody's going to make money off of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not us. It's just not, it's either not us. Yeah, it's but, not us. Somebody, somebody somewhere. We're pro, promoting somebody. But that's the thing. It, it's, you know, that's why the NFL is the top league and, you know, all the other ones are just playing catch up. Yep. For sure. Well, I think uh, I think they'll do it for us. We uh, made a little over an hour, so that was good. We were, we were concerned we weren't going to get there, but I had faith we were going to get to an hour. We were going to ramble it's on. It's the we dead we... time, right? I mean, it's the dead time in the sports calendar. There's really not a ton going on, especially if you're not into the NBA. You know, MV, MVP was talking about boxing for ten minutes. That really that put us over. That was pretty good. You know, <laughs> talked a little bit about boxing. Uh, uh, if you guys really want to hear me talk about racing. Uh, put some comments on the post. I could talk about racing. For yeah. Days, he's like, you want to discuss formula one? I'm like, that's going to be a hard pass. I don't talk know. NASCAR <laughs> and formula one and IndyCar if you want, but uh, you know, I don't know if there's any interest out there. So I'll just keep saying, get her done. Every time you say something smart and I'll be like, Hey man, yeah, the- there you go. Shake and bake. That's right. Shake it before you bake it. That just happened. <laughs> Love that. But all right, oh, as always, Hats, Stats, and Hats is the BICBP Radio Network. Be sure to like, follow, subscribe, follow us on social media. Uh, for the Statman and Big Rick, we are out of here. See ya.
The weather is changing and the sun is shining, which means summer party season is here, and Buffalo Freddy Party Rental has everything you need to get your party started. From tents, tables, and chairs, to inflatable bounce houses, water slides, and obstacle courses, Buffalo Freddy has everything you need to take your summer shindig to the next level. Not sure what to serve at your event? Buffalo Freddy does barbecue catering as well. For more details or to make reservations, head over to buffalofreddy.com or give them a call at 716-437-3339. That's 716-4-FREDDY. Buffalo Freddy is a proud sponsor of this podcast. 